0: Go ahead and pull out your Bibles and something to take notes with this morning. All right, I'm going to get a water. This whole like not having a stage thing is kind of fun. I'm going to be so up in your face, it's going to be (laughs) ridiculous. There's nothing keeping me back. Pull out your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 1, and something to take notes with. Phone, paper, something like that. Oh, I should open to Matthew 1, huh? You see that? That's pretty cool. I'll let you know that I forgot to turn this thing on, so we're going to be here for a while before we get started. I'm just kidding. We have been uh, doing an Advent series the last few weeks. Mom, you had this low. <laughs> we've been doing an Advent series uh, this December. This is the third week of it, and we've called it "I'm Pregnant" and God, because we believe God bursts the impossible. Amen. It's been an awesome series, and if you've been here, you have been uh, mightily blessed. I know that for a fact, because my wife and my mom preached some gold the last two weeks. Anybody get something out of the last two weeks? Yes. Okay, me and three other people, but it's so good. <laughs> it's still worth it, because it's changing my life. And this this has been an awesome series, and Heather shared the first week saying that the point of this series that we're doing, you know, it's Christmas. Again, Christmas happens every year. We always talk about the Christmas story as we should, and Christmas time is amazing. Uh, but if we're not careful, we can kind of get caught up in the mundane of it and just sort of go through the motions this Christmas season. And, and our prayer as a, as a church and as your pastors, we've been praying this year that if there's one takeaway that we could all have this year, Christmas season, 2017, is that we are made to be touched by God and carry the impossible kingdom. That's what we're made for. I just pray that you'd come out of this Christmas season with a deeper revelation. Oh, wait a second. God's not for, I'm made to be touched by God. I'm made to be pregnant with the things of God. And God births the impossible. And so when there's something impossible in my life, it means God's ready to do something. It's not just a hang-up. It means God's about to birth something impossible. So that's our prayer for you uh, this, this season, and it's been awesome. I've been really encouraged. Uh, I believe it. I'm pregnant. It's, I'm glad to be the first man to preach in this series and say, yeah, I'm pregnant. This is awesome. Like, I believe it. This is amazing. God bursts the impossible. Our city's pregnant with the things of God. Merry Christmas. Come on. It's a good, it's a good year. I'm really excited about it. And, and Heather, Heather mentioned this when she was preaching during her first, uh, the first message of this series. She talked about this birthing class that, that we took when we, uh, when, well, I guess we, but she was pregnant with Rosie. When, we were, uh, when she was pregnant with Rosie, we did this 12-week birthing class. And Heather told me that we were going to be doing this class. It was 12 weeks long, and it was two hours a week. And I'm not great at math, but that's a whole day. And my first question was, how is there that much to talk about? Like, we didn't have to take a 12-week class to learn how to make this baby. <laughs> how is there that much to talk about? This, What are we doing here? Well, long story short, um, I had a lot to learn. <laughs> Turns out birthing a baby is very different than making a baby. Two very different activities. Uh, one, I had no idea about. So... I didn't know anything about birthing heading into this class, obviously. And one thing that I learned that was kind of a big uh, realization for me, and this is going to sound really silly, but it's really not that silly if you just give me, give me a break here. But one thing I realized was like, wait a second, you know, this, this whole concept of birthing a live human being, right, totally crazy to me, and I'm not made for that. So it's a very foreign concept, but this realization, okay, that's so out there for me, but my wife's body is actually made to do this. It's going to be okay. This isn't an alien. This is, this is actually going to work. And she's, she's really made for this. So the mom's body is made to, to birth this life, human, as crazy as it sounds. And as we were learning about the birthing process, one time the, the woman who was teaching the class, she started telling the moms uh, about contractions. And I had heard about contractions before. I always knew that that was a thing. But I didn't really understand anything about contractions or whatever. I just thought, okay, I guess that's the part that hurts. You know, I don't know. So... <laughs> come to find out that the contractions are actually really purposeful. And I didn't know that. And it was really cool to learn. And the woman who was teaching the class was telling the ladies, you know, basically, I don't know if you've been told to be scared of these things or what you think, but when the contractions come, your first instinct is going to be to fight it because it hurts. And you just want to fight it and get away from it. And that's tough. But the more you fight it, the more it's going to hurt and the less that it's going to get done because the contraction is actually doing something. It's not just hurting you. It's, it's moving the baby around. It's positioning things. It's getting blood flowing the way it ought to go. It's actually your body is, is helping you even though it hurts a little bit. So you're going to want to fight these contractions, but the less you fight them, the more you can try to go with the flow of the contractions a little bit, the more you can just try to accept it and roll with it a little bit, the, the less it's going to hurt. It's not going to not hurt, but the less it will hurt, and the more effective each of these contractions are going to be. She's basically making the point, if you want to birth the baby, you need to embrace the contractions. Mm -hmm. And this Christmas season, we're celebrating that we're pregnant. Mm -hmm. We're pregnant, and God births the impossible. And if we don't want to just be pregnant with the things of God, but we want to birth the things of God, we're going to have to embrace some contractions. I want you to write this down on the top of your notes this morning if you want to birth the impossible, you have to embrace the inconvenient. I want to talk about the inconvenient this morning, the inconvenience of pregnancy, the inconvenience of birth. But if you want to birth the impossible, we're going to have to embrace the inconvenience. Touch your neighbor and tell them it's inconvenient. It's inconvenient. You're going to be talking to your neighbor a lot, so it's going to be good. It's inconvenient. Christmas celebrates that God births the impossible. And that is really inspiring, but we cannot look past how inconvenient this whole Christmas story really was for a whole lot of people. Matthew chapter one is where I had you turn this morning. And uh, we're picking up Matthew's version, uh, Matthew's account of the the Christmas story. And he starts in verse 18. I think it's going to start on 19 on the slides, but we'll go a whole verse back and we'll start there. It says, now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary, okay, so there's mom, we've met mom. When Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Heather talked a lot about Mary week one in verse 19. We meet Uh, we meet her husband, we meet Joseph. Verse 19 says this, and her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. I don't think we spend a whole lot of time on that verse, the part about the divorce that almost happened. See, we live in a world right now, in our Christmas season, of elaborate nativity scenes and melodious Christmas carols, and everything's amazing and magical about Christmas, but it cannot be understated how much of an interruption the Christmas story was for everybody involved. Mm -hmm. Angel shows up to a virgin teenager who's engaged to be married and tells her that the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow her and she's going to be pregnant with the long-awaited Christ child. But he basically tells her, you know, don't worry about it. I know that uh, everyone's going to say bad things about you and your family will probably actually want to kill you. Your husband-to-be will probably want to divorce you. But it's okay, sweetheart, I got this. And, of course, sweet Mary responds, yes, Lord. Don't you hate that? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Lord, whatever you say, do it however you want to do it. Right, okay, good for her. (laughs) See, if the Christmas story hadn't happened yet, if, if it hadn't happened back then, and if God was going to do the Christmas story now, I think he could have used me and Heather. Because I see us in this story. Here's what I mean by this. You're like, oh my gosh, that's so pretentious of you because you're amazing. No, just wait. <laughs> if Heather was in Mary's place, and God shows up and says all this craziness to her about what he wants to do in her life, basically, way to go, Heather. You're doing great. God sees you. God loves you. He's about to do something amazing in your life. Sounds awesome, right? you're pregnant. Anything else? (laughs) That's how I would react. But if Heather was in that position, if if Heather was in Mary's position, God shows up and says all this craziness, she absolutely would have responded just like Mary. If you know Heather at all, you know sweet, gentle, pure as anything, just yes, God. I don't understand, but yes, God. I don't really want it to go this way, but anything you say, Jesus, well, you know, that's Heather. On the other hand, on the other hand, Joseph in this story, uh, he's not down for this. He is not excited about this situation. If I can be honest in church for just a quick second. If I'm in Joseph's position, and my fiance, who I've been faithful and self-controlled to not sleep with, comes to me and says, "I'm pregnant, but don't worry, an angel came to me and told me all about it. The Holy Ghost did it, and it's going to be amazing, babe." There would definitely be a verse 19. But it would be a whole lot shorter. It would say, and Andrew said three words. Oh heck no. <laughs> heck no. The Christmas story is just getting started here in verse 19. And Joseph is out. He's out. Because he did not sign up for this. He did not sign up for this. We learn he's a just man. He he wants to do it all quietly. He's a good guy. Like, he's just a good guy trying to be a carpenter, trying to live his life, and now all of this. And Heather, the first week, talked about how risky this pregnancy would have been for Mary, the stigma she would have carried, all sorts of things. But now Joseph has to carry his own stigma, too. Now he's in on the conspiracy, right? No, guys, I I promise we didn't do it. We've been good. (laughs) Amen. He's got to carry his own stigma. He's got to deal with people talking behind his back about him and about his wife. He's got to help Mary now as she gets bigger and bigger and more uncomfortable. And now, if it wasn't inconvenient enough that he has to go to Bethlehem for some random census, now he has to transport his wife, who's about to pop, any day now. He has no due date to know. they got to leave the hospital that they've toured and set up their appointments. And there's no family around, and there's no reservations for where they're going. They can't set up travel arrangements. They've got nothing. This is wildly inconvenient for Joseph. And he would much rather just separate himself from this whole thing. God, that's great. You do what you're going to do, but just... I'm out. I'm out. And I get it. I get it. I mean, isn't this us when it comes to inconvenience in our life? Much rather just avoid it. This week I, I went to Chick-fil-A. It was after the lunch rush hour, so it was a little bit slower. There weren't as many people there. I, I'm I'm trying to get into the drive-thru. The car in front of me starts to go into the drive-thru, stops, decides there's too many people in the drive through backs up, and leaves. They didn't go park and go inside. They left. I'm like, wow. There was like four cars, you know? But it was probably going to take them longer to go somewhere else and get food somewhere else. But this just wasn't going how they thought it was supposed to go. So they just pulled the cord. I'm out of here. This is ridiculous. This is so inconvenient. How dare you, Chick-fil-A? I'm out. I'm out. But this is, this is us when it comes to our lives. We'd much rather avoid the inconvenience. And if we're not careful, this is exactly how we'll live our Christian lives. We'll love God. We'll be nice. We'll be good people. We'll go to church. But if we avoid the inconvenient things of walking with Jesus, we'll never birth the impossible. Love you. What I mean is this, is that really following Jesus, if you've, if you've tried this on any level, really being a disciple of Jesus, you have got, you've probably found out that there's plenty of things about it that are pretty inconvenient. It's pretty inconvenient sometimes. It's amazing. I wouldn't trade it for anything but sometimes you want to. Sometimes it's a little inconvenient. What I mean is that there's plenty of things that would just be easier to not do, to walk away from, to silently divorce yourself from. Just keep your nice Christian life, but let's not do the inconvenient. Here's what I mean, it's it's inconvenient for me and for you. It's inconvenient caring about other people's eternities more than they do for themselves. You ever notice that? Somebody in your life, you, just, you, you see that they're living a life far from God. You know they need Jesus. You know Jesus is close. You're, trying, you're praying for them. You're pressing in. You're inviting them to church. And they just don't care. But you care. That's really inconvenient. It's really inconvenient. It's, it's, it's inconvenient trying to raise kids to be like obsessed with Jesus and learn how to give their lives away. Because it would be way easier to just not worry about their fits and their bad attitudes and just let their teachers deal with it later. It'd be way easier to do it that way. Sometimes it's inconvenient trying to live a pure life. You can't go see all the movies everybody else is seeing, laugh about what everyone else is laughing about. I can't just go with the momentum of culture of what it looks like to be a good man. I can't go with the flow. That's not how it's going to work. It won't work. And that's not always convenient. And if we can be really honest, it's inconvenient believing in what God has made somebody else to be when they won't act like it yet. Isn't this church? You're trying to believe in somebody. Okay, I know God's made them a leader, but they are so arrogant and big jerks. But I believe. It's inconvenient to believe, no, God's called you for more than that, and I'm going to believe it until it comes out. It's inconvenient believing in somebody's heart of gold when they just have a bad attitude all the time. It's inconvenient seeing somebody, how Jesus sees them, somebody worth dying for on the cross after they hurt you and offended you, Talked bad about you, it's inconvenient. Sometimes doing what God is putting in front of you to do, it's really inconvenient. And sometimes I personally just wonder, and I don't know if you do too, wouldn't it just be easier to walk away? I'd much rather just kind of divorce myself quietly from this whole thing. And if we want to live just convenient lives because, hey, we got saved. And now there's nothing else to worry about. We get to go to heaven one day. If we just want to live our lives like that, if we want to use kind of our best intentions like Joseph to divorce ourselves quietly from the inconvenient things of God, we will never birth the impossible. Mm-hmm. We'll never birth the impossible. But, it, but the impossible, it's not that the impossible won't happen. It's that we won't be there for it. Because yeah. look, at, look at the story. Mary's already pregnant. Jesus is coming, with or without Joseph. Come on. God's going to birth the impossible. The question for Joseph wasn't, hey, will you be there so that God can be faithful to do what God promised to do? That's not the question. The question is, do you want to be there for it? It's coming. Do you want to be there for it? Joseph finds himself wrapped up in this situation that he didn't sign up for, and he wants to bow out, but God didn't make him for a life of inconvenience me hear somebody in the room say I'm made, I'm made for more come on everybody now i'm made for more he, he he's made for more than a life of just convenience so when god wants to lead joseph into the inconvenient he's calling to calling him to he does it by calling out his identity he leads him into the inconvenience by calling his out his identity in verse 20 but as he considered these things behold an angel of the lord appeared to him in a dream saying joseph son of david Joseph, son of David. We're here in verse 20 of chapter 1. Verses 1 through 16 of chapter 1, just a few verses previous, is the genealogy of Jesus. It lists all these generations that came before Jesus. It's listing the family line of Jesus. And in verse 16, just four verses before verse 20, it says this, Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. So four verses before verse 20, we find out that Joseph is Joseph, the son of Jacob. But in verse 20, the angel of the Lord shows up on the scene and calls him Joseph, son of David. How many of you know God doesn't just call you by your name, He calls you by your destiny? Isaiah 49, verses 1 through 3 says this. Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord has called me. The Lord called me from the womb. From the body of my mother, he named my name. And he made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. And in, he made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he has said to me, You are my servant Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Where are we going here? Isaiah 49 is is a promise to the nation of Israel, clearly, but it was also a prophecy about Jesus. And it's also a promise for us today as the people of God. Because as the people of God, these verses are saying that you've been named from the womb. You've been named from the womb. Before you could accomplish anything, before you could ruin anything, before you could succeed at anything, before you could fail at anything, God has called your name. God has called your name and you have been given the name Israel, which means God delivers. It means God delivers. It means that before that failure happened that has defined you, God delivers. Before the brokenness in your life that has marked you all this time happened, God delivers. Before you were even a sinner, God delivers. It was your name from the womb. And sometimes we think we're so sure about who we are. Well, I know who I am because I know what I've been, I know what, and I know what I've gone through. But what about your name before all that? What about the name God called you before all of that, the destiny he put on you before all of that? Joseph knew he was the son of Jacob. He knew it. He grew up in the house. He knew his dad. He was the son of Jacob. His dad was probably a carpenter. That's probably why he was a carpenter. He's the son of Jacob. One of the main prophecies about the Messiah when he would be born was that he would come from the house of David. He would be a descendant of the house of David. The point I'm trying to make before we get there all the way is that not every inconvenience in your life is the devil trying to derail you. Sometimes it's God trying to define you. Joseph was just Joseph, right? He's just Joseph. He's just a nice guy. He's just a carpenter, and he doesn't need all this drama. He's just Joseph, quiet Joseph, good guy down the street. Everybody loves him. He made my chair. I still sit on it. It's great. We love Joseph. It's just Joseph. It's just Joseph. He doesn't have a bunch of drama in his life, and this inconvenience steps in, and he thinks it's to derail him from the life that he wants to live, but it's actually God defining him for the life he was made for. He wasn't just a son of Jacob, a carpenter. He was a son of David. He was a son of David, the husband of Mary, who was going to have a son. Mary was going to have a son, and somebody needed to give that son a name. And somebody needed to give that son the right name. He needed to be a son of David. See, Mary was pregnant with a baby that she hadn't met yet. But David was pregnant, or Joseph was pregnant with an identity he hadn't lived yet. And it was taken an inconvenience for God to draw it out of him, to draw out his identity. Joseph, you just think you're a son of David, but I've made you for more. You're, a son of, you're, you're not just a son of Jacob, you're a son of David. And that's what I need you to pass on, because you're going to be part of fulfilling the prophecy of my son who's been long awaited. You're not just an accessory in this whole thing. I need you. I need you. So I don't know what it is in your life right now behind you, what's coming in front of you that's inconvenient. I don't know what it is. And I'm not standing up here saying that God gave it to you. I'm not saying God didn't give it to you. But I'm just saying that before you avoid it, before you avoid the inconvenience, before you write it off, before you rebuke it like the devil, just like all this gift wrapping you're about to, just like what you're about to do with all this gift wrapping in Christmas, before you throw it away, Check to see if there's something in it. Amen. <laughs> Don't throw away the gift in the middle of the trash. Once Joseph realized his identity, he understood that this inconvenience was actually an invitation. You haven't talked to your neighbor in a while. Touch him and say, it's bigger than you. <laughs> Look at him back and say, it's bigger than you too. Back off. Yeah. <laughs> Quit touching me. Can I take a drink real quick? That's loud. This is not working. Anybody have three hands? Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> uh, is that how that's supposed to go? Verse 20, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from his sins. It's bigger than you. When God is birthing the impossible through you, it's going to usually be inconvenient for you but it's always bigger than you. That was better than... (laughs) That'll change your life right there. It's changed your mind. I'm just going to say it again. When God bursts the impossible through you, it's usually inconvenient for you, but it's always bigger than you. It's always bigger than you. I mean, come on. When Heather birthed these babies, how many of you know it didn't just bless her? These babies didn't just bless her. They blessed me. They blessed honey and ditto. And Nani and Papa and, and uncles and aunts and somebody say, Amen, if Rose Jubilee has blessed your life. Oh, it's better than that. She's amazing. It, it's bigger than you. And the impossible that God's trying to birth your life, birth in your life, the impossible things that God puts in front of you. It's, it's going it's to bless you. It's going to be amazing. You're made for it. But it's bigger than you. It's not just for you. It's an invitation. God is always giving an invitation in the impossible. And the invitation is much bigger than you think. He's always doing more. He's always doing more than you think, more than you see, more than you understand. And let's be honest, sometimes more than you want, more than you think you want. He's always doing more. God says, Joseph, Mary is going to give birth. You will give him a name. And I am giving everyone an invitation. I'm giving everyone an invitation. Whatever it is, whatever it is that's in front of you, maybe it was back there and you're still holding on to it, trying to recover from that. Maybe it's in the middle, maybe you're in the middle of it right now. Maybe this thing, this inconvenient thing, is about to come. But whatever it is, I know it's hard, it's confusing, sometimes it's really painful, sometimes it's costly, sometimes it's discouraging. Sometimes it makes you ask questions you didn't know you were going to ask, and you don't know if they're okay to ask. Sometimes it's inconvenient, and it really feels like it's inconvenient. Amen? I'm not saying it's not. I know it's annoying, but don't walk out on it. God shows up to Joseph. He says, I know this is not what you thought your life was going to look like. This is not what you signed up for. This is not really what you want at all. But don't walk out on this one. Don't walk out on this one. You you have a choice. You can leave, but don't. Don't leave because it's bigger than you. It's bigger than you, Joseph. It's actually what you're made for, and it's so much bigger than you. Don't walk out on this one. But he's not done yet. God's not done yet because he doesn't just use I words and make it all sound good. He says, don't worry about it. I'm with you. Don't walk out on this one because I'm with you. I know it's not what you want, but I'm with you. I know you don't understand it, but I'm with you. I know you'd rather not have it happen so I don't have to be with you, but it's happening, and I'm with you. Verse 22 and 23 says, All of this took place to fulfill. Do you know that what's taken place in your life is to fulfill something? Come on. See, you've got this cup in your life. You've got your energy, you've got your faith, you've got your endurance, you've got your expectations, and something comes up, it's inconvenient, and it feels like it's just dumping out everything, and you come out the other side, and you're empty. Why did I go through this thing? It's emptying me out, it's wearing me out, it's wearing me down, it's costing me everything, but do you know it's actually happening to fulfill something? Maybe it does have to empty out first, but what's going to get put back in was better than what you had in the first place. Sometimes it does cost everything, but it's got to get fulfilled, and he will fulfill it. All of this took place to fulfill, to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, Emmanuel. which means God with us. Hmm. So many times we hit a roadblock, right? We come up against something. We have what happened. We have something happen to us that was never what was supposed to happen. This wasn't supposed to happen this way. And can we be honest? Sometimes God shows up like He did to Mary in the middle of like doing great. (laughs) Like the Christmas story isn't even like, oh man, all this inconvenient stuff happened because you were rebelling against God and sinful. (laughs) Shows up to Mary and says, Mary, you're amazing. God looks at you and He just thinks, wow, what a a pure servant of mine. God looks on you with pleasure. You're pregnant. (laughs) Like if if an angel of the Lord shows up to me and says, hey Andrew, I just... God sent me because he wants to tell you you're doing great, you're doing great, and he's working on something that you wouldn't believe, and he's about to bring it forth in your life, and if I'm about to tell you it, and you're not going to believe it because it's bigger than anything you could ever imagine, nobody would imagine this stuff, right, like, even if you're a visionary, you don't envision this. An angel comes into your life and says you're doing great. You're being pure, you, your faith is strong, you've been praying, you've been seeking God, you've been diligent, you've been giving your life away, serving people, and God's about to do the thing that he called you to do. I'm thinking, oh God, I'm about to sit down, this is gonna get good, and I'm running things through my head. Pregnant. Hmm. Not really what I was expecting. Sometimes it happens even then. Sometimes it happens because you're being a screwball and stuff's just getting broken because you're breaking it, right? Anybody, can we be honest, have been there? Stuff's going wrong because I made it go wrong. (laughs) But sometimes God steps in in the middle of you doing great. We hit this roadblock. Something comes up that was never supposed to come up. You don't deserve this. They don't deserve this. Anybody, come on. It shouldn't be like this. These things come up and we start questioning. We start having these thoughts in our head. We ask really honest questions a lot of times. Where's God? God, where are you in all of this? Joseph's sitting there like, whoa! I thought we were set up for a really great life, but now I've got this unfaithful wife and she's also crazy talking about an angel giving her a baby that's going to save the world. God says, it's all happening to fulfill something. You ask these questions, where's God? How could God let this happen? Is God good? Why? Why? The big question, why? Why, why, why? Why, why, why? God, God, why? Why, God, why? And I can't give you the answer that you want for why God does or allows all that God does or allows, but I can always tell you where He is. He's with you. Why, I don't know. I don't know. But don't forget to also ask where. God, where are you? Because you'll hear Him say, I'm with you. I'm with you. See, Christmas isn't just about an impossible pregnancy. And it's not even just about the fact that God wants to do the impossible through you. This pregnancy, absolutely, it was impossible. And you better believe that God wants to birth the impossible in your life. He has called you from the body of your mother. He has named your name. He has a destiny on your life. It's gonna be bigger than anything you could ever imagine. If you'll follow him, put your head down, it's gonna be great because he's spoken over your life. He's good, he is faithful, and you are pregnant. You better believe it, Merry Christmas, you're pregnant. Absolutely, It's all true, but it's not just about that. The real message of Christmas is not just that God wants to do the impossible through you. It's that he is Emmanuel in you. This is the message of Christmas. It's not just looking forward to, oh God, what are you gonna do through my life? It's no, Andrew, what am I trying to put in your life? It's not circumstances. It's not situations. It may not be according to your preferences, but it is me, Emmanuel in you. Later on, Paul would describe, he would say, I'm trying to proclaim this mystery to you that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not Christ around you making everything go the way you want it to go. Christ in you, Emmanuel, God with you, the hope of glory, the hope of glory. See, the Christmas story, yes, it was inconvenient. It was inconvenient for Jesus to take on the broken flesh of his creation that had rebelled against him. It was inconvenient. But it's what he did because it's who he is. He is love, and that's what love does. Love doesn't silently divorce itself from the inconvenient. It steps in. It steps in and makes a way when there's no way. He did it because it's who he is. And he did it because he's He's extending an invitation to you and to all of mankind. And it's not just an invitation to come to church on Sundays. It's not just an invitation to try to be better than some people or think that you're right and have the right political opinions. It's not just an invitation to pray a prayer and make it to heaven someday. Though if it was just that, if that was the totality of the Christmas gift to all of humanity, that would be enough. That would be enough, that would be amazing. But it's Christmas and it's running a Christmas special and you get two for one, and all for the amazing price of absolutely free by the grace of God. You don't get to just pray a prayer, you actually get to know Him. Christmas is a revelation of who He is. He's the King of Kings, and He's the Lord of Lords, and you can know Him as a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You don't just get to pray a prayer, you get to know Him, and if that was it, it would be enough. But it's Christmas, and this gift just keeps on giving. Because you don't just pray a prayer, you don't just know Him by His titles, but His titles, He actually has a name. This King, He has a name. And you can know Him. This Lord, He has a name. Grace has a name. Hope has a name. The Wonderful Counselor, He has a name. This Mighty God has a name. This Baby who came has a name. And His name is, when you call on His name, you will be saved. When you call His name, every knee will bow. Out this name, every tongue will confess. It is the name above every other name. It is none other but the name of Jesus. It is the name of Jesus. It is the name of Jesus, and he is not just God. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Merry Christmas, everybody. This is good news. In the middle of the bad news, in the middle of what you don't understand, in the middle of what's impossible, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. I'm praying this season that every single one of us, we'd walk out of Christmas this year with a life-changing revelation. You may not get the thing at the top of your list. I sure hope you do. But I pray that we get a revelation that changes everything. That in every inconvenience, Jesus is Emmanuel. Because it's enough. It sounds cliche, but it's enough. And that instead of living our lives avoiding inconveniences, that we would embrace the inconvenience. And and that might mean we find ourselves living the Christmas story. And I don't just mean the sparkly nativity scene where the three wise men come and give you gold. I mean the part where you find yourself in a broken down stable down the street that you never planned on being in, in a city you don't know, with people you don't know, and some animals sticking around your new baby. But here you are. You're with Jesus, you're with Jesus. It was an inconvenient road, but look where it brought you. It brought you right to Jesus. It was an inconvenient road, but he was trying to show you something. He was trying to call something out in you. He was trying to invite you into something and show that he is Emmanuel. He is God with you. He was with you. I want you to go ahead and stand this morning as we finish our time this morning at church we like to be a people who respond to what it is that god's doing the bible says it's great to hear the word of god but it's better to do the word of god and i don't know what god's been doing in you but i believe that when we read the bible the holy spirit speaks even if i screwed it all up god's doing something in you this morning he's speaking something to you and there is an action step i don't know what it is you don't have to make it up but you know what it is there's an action step for you this morning And then we're going to sing one more song together, this Christmas song, Oh Come, Let Us Adore Him. Because I don't know that there's any more appropriate response to the revelation of Emmanuel than, oh, wow. What else do you do? But come and adore Him. There's no other appropriate response than giving Him our lives. And you can do that in your seat. But I also want to invite you, something that we do around here sometimes, if you're new here you might think this is crazy, you might be all about it, but I want to invite you to move. Move out of your seat, and and just because sometimes you, you respond physically to let something go deep inside of you. And we're going to have some people over on this side of the room over here that would love to pray with you if there's something that you need to respond to. They're not perfect, they just love to pray. And if you need to respond, I want you to not leave this morning. Don't leave without taking your first step. You don't have to go the whole way. Just take the first step right now. Let somebody pray with you. Maybe you don't need somebody to pray with you and you just need to come and find yourself on your knees with Jesus. And maybe it's saying it's a crazy road. You look behind you and you see the road to Bethlehem and everything that happened before there. And now you're at a stable but there's Jesus and you need to find yourself on your knees with Jesus this morning. And the front is just open. There's nothing special about the front but there is something special about you moving. Moving and saying, God, I don't care what anybody thinks. I got to get to Jesus. And I'm about to pray. And when I pray, I want to invite you to get moving this morning. It might mean going somewhere in this room, just kneeling on your feet. It might mean staying at your seat. I don't know what it is, but move this morning towards Jesus. Would you bow your heads as we pray? You might be here this morning hearing all of this and realizing that your first step this Christmas is that you need to give your life to Jesus for the first time. You've never come to Jesus. You've never been born again into the grace of God. Or maybe you were one time, but it got really inconvenient. And so you just tried to walk away and you went your own way, but you're ready to come back. If that's you this morning, if you're saying, I, I need to give my life to Jesus, and I need, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start following him now, or I'm coming back now. I want you to raise your hand right now. Nobody else is looking at you. I want you to raise your hand if that's you this morning. Amen. For those of you that are just raising your hand, don't stay still this morning. Go over, pray with somebody, join everybody else who's, who's getting prayer. Move this morning. Let somebody pray with you so you can meet Jesus. So I'm about to start praying, and everybody who's ready to move, I want you to get moving when I say... Dear Jesus, one, two, three. Dear Jesus, you are so good. You are Emmanuel. You are God with us and we believe Lord, we pray that you would help us embrace the contractions of birthing the impossible, that we would step into the inconvenient and we would see you do the impossible things. Lord, we believe, God, and we may have nothing left at the end of the road, but we will be with Jesus. We will see you, Jesus, and we will see you and know you as God with us. Lord, come Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts and let us all know, give us that life-changing